Harold, how did your winter sewing experiment go? You know, it, it turned out pretty decent. I managed to get some very nice seedlings of the Verbena Vanity sent to me by All America Selections. Got some planted out by the mailbox. They're blooming now. Um, I had two varieties of violas that Nan Ander had sent, and I decided to put those seeds in there. And I got a couple plants of viola freckles, which is a spotted uh-huh. violet. And something that she, I think it's called European field pansy. And I got a decent seedling of that and planted it out. Um, the other things, because my jugs were a little bit taller than like a regular milk jug, uh-huh. uh, the couple of them tipped over and in the wind and then that disturbed all the soil. And so I didn't really get too much out of them, but that's okay. I, I thought it went pretty well and I'll probably try it again next spring, winter. I think I will buy, you know, we don't get milk and milk jugs much anymore because, you know, it's not considered, you know, recyclable. There is a company that makes a really good, a creamery that makes a really good milk. It's from Jersey cows. Uh huh. And I can get that for Bill at the co-op. And so I may buy him some of it so that I can, ha- I can do some winter sewing next year. What do you think? Sounds like a great idea. I'm using gallon water jugs that I get at Costco. That I use to make iced tea. Well, that would work too. What a good idea. Yeah, because they still sell it that way. Well, I'm going to try it next year and it looks like you're going to try it again too. Yes, indeed. So get this podcast started, Dee. Welcome to the Garden Angelus, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. I'm Dee Nash from Guthrie, Oklahoma, where I garden on seven and a half acres out in the country. And I'm Carol Michael from Indianapolis, Indiana, where I have a suburban garden measured in square feet. It's about a third of an acre. We call ourselves Garden Angelists because we are evangelists for gardening. We love gardening and we would love for you to love it too. Yes, we do love gardening and we aren't afraid to spill the beans and tell all of our gardening secrets, the good, the bad, and even the ugly, but that's enough of who, what, when, where. Let's move on to this week's episode. Hello, Dee. Hello, Carol. I had kind of a busy week last week. Did you? I had the uh, the craziest week ever last week. You did. You had a really nutty week. Let's do yours first. Okay. So Tuesday, I went out and I mowed and I trimmed and I pruned some shrubs. It was starting to get a little bit hazy. Um, I did a reel on Instagram Mm -hmm. with like showing me picking up two leaves off the lawn after I mowed, which is going to be hilarious here in a minute. So Wednesday, we had an air quality alert because of those Canadian wildfires. Yeah. So everybody was supposed to stay indoors. And you know what? He didn't have to tell you. It was icky out there. I mean, you could just, the air was disgusting. Um, And I think that the highest reading was uh, 244 microns, they said, which is horrible. Mm -hmm. And then Thursday was kind of the same, but I went out and I watered stuff and it was kind of icky. So mine am on beeswax as one does. And then Thursday afternoon, about four o'clock, this big storm whoops up. Lights flickered. An Oklahoma-like storm. The lights flickered. The power went out. And I didn't have power again for 46 hours. Yeah, I've been through that, too. That's why I have a generator now. You know, I was out for two weeks That when the ice storm happened. And then I was out for almost a week and a half with the wildfire. You're sounding like you're having Oklahoma weather. So did you... Get, what happened after, did you get your, well, I know you got your power back on because we're talking and we talked the whole time it was off. So the weird thing was, so I'd gone next door to my neighbors right before the storm started. She has a giant pear right. tree and I kept telling her, it's like, that's going to fall someday. So I'm walking by the front window in her house as the storm's whooping up and I see that pear go, ooh, half of it split and went down. Within 10 minutes, I had her on the phone with a tree company. I says, tell them to come out. <laughs> but anyway, they took it all away. And um, so the Bradford pear is gone. The Bradford pear is gone. And this is where you put in some more applause because it's one of the worst trees ever. It is. And she knew she needed to eventually get rid of it. But it's just hard to say, hey, why don't I spend a thousand dollars getting rid of this tree? Right. But when half the tree is on the ground, that becomes a much easier decision. Yeah, it does. I had a bunch of trees that I've gotten rid of. And you know what? We're going to have to get rid of some more because there's now you can see the burn damage, you know, like some of it was immediate and you could see it. But now I'm seeing some that just we need to go in there and cut them out. And then we got did she also have the stump ground? 
this dump will be ground out. They haven't marked where the utilities are, but she had right. some hostas growing around the base and I helped dig those out this morning and transplanted them to some shade in her backyard. So, but here's the thing. Yeah. What's funny is I did that video on Tuesday, like, oh, look, here's two leaves that fell in the grass. Of course, there's leaves everywhere now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There but are. anyway, to bring that back full circle, but the power came on and you'd think, okay, we did have some more rain and different things between Thursday and I can't even remember uh-huh. between that and Saturday. Um but it was weird because drove around some Thursday evening because I wanted to get my phone charged up. Right. And, you know, just up the road, the greenhouse, they're all lit up like a Christmas tree. And, mm-hmm. but we're, we got nothing. And even in my neighborhood, I got power back at like two o'clock on Saturday and neighbors just across the street and down two houses that starting there, they didn't get it back until six o'clock Saturday. Yep. So it, it was all- kind of. <laughs> Weird. It, it all depends on where the power lines are down and all that kind of stuff. So, so you but get you're going to end on a high note, right? The high note is we've gotten some much needed rain. I picked the first two squashes, Yay. and this morning I I dug up turnips, so we can talk about that later. Nice. But tell me about your busy week. Well, I opened a garden a week ago Saturday and had tons of people here. And then I spoke on Tuesday night to the Horticultural Society, and my talk was about how hard it is to garden here, but it was a very positive talk. It was how to make your garden more resilient, which is what we're all trying to do anymore. Um, yep. And and then, so then, then I just worked in the garden after that. And so I've been working, I've really been thinking about, I read the rest of that 30-minute gardener book that we profiled uh-huh. a couple of weeks ago. And I've really been spending about 30 minutes to an hour in the garden every morning. Now, I know most people can't do that because they have jobs outside of their home. I work inside the home and, you know, I work from here, from my kitchen, actually. And so, but I've been going out there and just doing some small tidying up here and there. And it's been so pleasant in the mornings. So doing that, let's see, I'm still deadheading and daily season's almost over. So now I'm cutting back what they call the scapes which are the stems that the blooming stems are called. And then it is now time for the Phlox paniculata and the the Shasta daisies. And so I posted a video on Instagram about my favorite Shasta daisy and Phlox paniculata gina on Sunday. And let's see what else am I doing? Oh, I'm harvesting all of my tomatoes at the blush stage to bring them indoors and let them fully ripen because that stops those stink bugs from sucking them dry. So I have two comments. Yeah. Daylily season is at its peak and the daylily place just up the road. They didn't have power. So they were only open on Sunday. We had a big storm on Sunday, but I do need to get up there Friday, Saturday this week because we're at peak daylily. Yeah. Enjoy. I love peak daylily season. Didn't you go to that garden? You, we have been, to, you, you yeah. have been there. Yeah, yeah, I've been there. It's fabulous. Okay. Keep going. We don't really get stink bugs on our tomatoes. Next. How nice for you. I'm really happy. That's for paradise you. here, except for and, the storms. And the Japanese beetles and the heat and the drought. All right. And then um, I have the banana peppers from my jalapeno pepper plants. For those people who did not listen last week, we have a whole thing about jalapeno gate, which makes me laugh. I don't know why I think it's funny, but I do. I sowed some more green bean seeds, um, bush green beans. And I actually sewed Provider, and it's a brand new package of Provider from our favorite botanical interests. So I hope it does well. And then um, I'm walking around inspecting all of my sunflowers for silvery checker spot. I put up a story on Instagram today about how the damage is so bad. And it was one day. I missed one day. D, I saw that reel this morning and I thought, ugh. ugh. I know they're a little bad, but you know what? They're already starting to come out of it. They're going to be fine. And then let's see what else. Oh, and let me just point out that there's like a billion um, sunflowers in the spot where the barn was and do the silvery checker spot. Mothers lay their eggs on those that I don't care about that are growing like small trees. No, they're on my precious ones from sunflower Steve and I, but not as bad as that one. Anyway, those are very discerning insects. They're not just going to, you know, 
They're discerning. No, the, no, they're going for the really expensive seeds. All right. And um, I'm also moving some of the small seedlings of Verbena bonariensis around in the garden. That have, So I'm getting them where I want it because it self-sows now. And that's it. I've been a little busy. You have been a little busy. Mm-hmm. So now it's our new segment for playing favorites. What's your favorite this week? Okay, so in the midst of all of this, I did go out to the vegetable garden. Oh my God, don't talk to me about weeds. They are not my favorite. But remember I bought mm. stock seeds yes. for 11 cents a packet? Yes, from um, Ma- Maynards or Menards. 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 Um, I planted them, you know, and every single one of them came up and I I doubled my chance. I mean, I bought two pa- 22 cents worth. Anyway, they're blooming out there in the vegetable garden. So because cool. it's been a mild enough spring that they haven't fried in the heat. So they and the sweet peas are doing marvelously. So those are my favorites this week. Spring flowers still blooming in July. Can you believe it? I actually still have some sweet peas too. I can't believe it. They should be long gone, but they've been really happy this year. But in my garden, my favorite this week is Gina Phlox. Gina Phlox was profiled by um, America the Beautiful Seed thing. I don't know. It was a it was a, a campaign that was a few years ago, and they one of their plants that they profiled was um, Gina Phlox, and they profiled it because. It is a high nectar phlox paniculata, tall garden phlox, and it has really small florets. And these really small florets mean that there are more on each panicle of bloom and lots more nectar for insects. I'll say this about Gina. It's never looked better. It is very mildew resistant. I don't have to cut it back in the spring with the Chelsea chop and it's a butterfly magnet. It is very hard to get it going though. Someone asked me on my Instagram reel this morning, does it, you know, spread like the other flocks? No. It spreads very little. And it took me five years to get it going. So, but right now it's at its very best, along with the Shasta Daisies, Becky. Very nice. And I was telling you, I wrote an article about Shasta Daisies last week before I lost power. It's still in their queue to be edited though. So but if it comes out in time, we'll we'll put a link to it. Sounds good. Why don't you do the first quote, which is actually a little poem. A little poem. The little darling spring has run away. The sunshine grew too hot for her to stay. She kissed her sister, Summer, and she said, When I am gone, you must be queen instead. Now reigns the lady Summer, round whose feet a thousand fairies flock with blossoms sweet. And that is Cicely Mary Barker, the famous illustrator of all the flower fairies and all those flower fairy books. Yep. We loved it. And there's a beautiful yeah. page in one of her books with that little poem. So our flowers this week are the wild petunias versus the cultivated petunias. And you wrote an article for Family Handyman called Are Petunias Perennials? And yes, yes, they are. If you live in zones 10 and 11 which we do not. So we grow them as annuals. We do. And um, they they assign those articles based on that's a search that a lot of people are doing right now. Right. Oddly enough. Well, I can see that, I guess. I mean, I think everybody wants a lot of perennial plants. Um, I get that question a lot when I'm speaking. Is that perennial? Is that perennial? Is that perennial? Mm. If it survives in an Oklahoma summer and is really, really happy, often it is a tropical which in its own climate is perennial, but not here. Exactly. Exactly. So, but the thing is, now that we kind of hit July, mm-hmm. uh, people are going to be looking at their petunias, especially the ones in hanging baskets and containers and saying, you know, those are looking a little look rough. A little, <laughs> look a little rough, look yeah. a little leggy. Yeah. How's come? They don't look like they were just purchased at the garden center. Right. And the reason is, is it's gotten hot. And so it's time to rehab them. And actually, I have a video that's coming out soon about rehabbing them, but it hasn't been approved yet by Wave Petunias, but I can tell you how to do it real quick. So you want to you, you want to do this before they get dried out. There's a stage where they're trying to set seed is what they're doing. 
And so you want to catch them right before they get the dried out stage where they've already gone to seed, because when a plant goes to seed, it thinks its job is basically done. And I cut them back and I cut them back at whatever leaf node I want them at. And first of all, in Oklahoma, I grow petunias that like to spread. I don't grow the tidy, sweet little petunias that just sit in their spot and don't do anything because those don't like our heat. Now, spreading ones that like our heat are all of the wave petunias. And there's a whole, I had, I didn't know until I, uh, you know, until I agreed to collaborate with wave petunias, I didn't know how many different types there are now. Tidal wave, easy wave. Regular original wave. There's a lot of them. Oh yeah. So, Well, let me tell you when those came out, I think it was in the mid nineties. Yeah. And boy, there was one wave and it was kind of a hot pink. Hot pink mm-hmm. is that we, anyway. Um, the problem that the garden centers had was if they let it flower, it was so tangled up on the flat that you couldn't pull out one plant. And so, you know, you'd have to go and say, I want them even without the flower on them, you know, I want them early. Yeah. It was, it was kind of fun. It was fun. <laughs> So mine right now are in, they're in their pots and they're starting to look a little leggy. And so I cut them back and I just cut them back to where they ring around the edge of the pot again. Right. Then I always make sure I cut above a leaf node. And as soon as I do that, I fertilize it and I water it. And I don't care what kind of fertilizer you use. You can use long acting fertilizer. You can use liquid fertilizer, whatever you want to use. You can use the pellet. I don't really like the Oh, the ones that have feather meal in them that gets all in your face when the wind blows, but the pelleted ones that are organic are nice too. So just whatever you want to do. And then it's an easy work to just sit down in your chair and do this when it's in a container. It right. is kind of sticky though, because they the leaves and the stems are kind of sticky. And then they are. That's and that's it. kind of surprising to people how sticky. So I'll wear uh, the blue plastic blue vinyl gloves or whatever those, I don't know if they're latex vinyl or whatever, the big ones. I think they're latex. Yeah. I'll wear those just to kind of keep from getting the worst of it on my hands, but. I just wash off my hands. The other thing is um, my pots are on drip irrigation, but like I pulled out this pot to do it and I've got to stick it back in there. And they also like a little bit of afternoon shade because it's starting to get hot. It is. Now, talk about the wild petunia, because I bought one, and you said, I don't know if you want to plant that or not, Dinesh. So, it's Ruelia humilis, and I wrote a post about it, and I looked, and this post is from like 2017, so it's been out there for a long time. It's an easy native plant to just grow. It just grows in the garden, and it's I would consider it a ground cover plant. Yeah. Here's the, here's the thing about it. So, the person gave me a start in 20, I'm going to say 2010, 2011, in like November. And I just mm-hmm. had the littlest bit of root. And I thought, is this thing going to take off? And I planted it. And then I should I should probably take a picture for you because it's just coming up all over the place. And it's starting to bloom. But the nice thing is a lot of it is across the path through this one garden. So I don't care. And it's easy to pull out where you don't want it, but it is a pretty right. little purple flower on it. And it's, I would consider it as native flowers, fairly easy to grow, at least here. I suspect it's easy to grow here too, because I saw it at Michael Kowalczyk's um, garden when I was there. And and then I went to the greenhouse in Norman, which that's the name of the greenhouse. And they had it. They had a whole giant native section this year, and it was a really good one. So um, that's just a little plug for them because they're a close, um, a locally owned nursery. So I think I will plant it. And I think I'll plant it in the bed that has just not that much amended soil where I grow a lot of natives out by the street. That that sounds like a good spot for it. Now, where mine is growing, uh, doesn't get full sun, but it's not really in shade. It's just kind of like gets scattered, dappled shade sun. Yeah. I don't know if that makes a difference, but. Well, we'll find out. His was in full sun and it was in unamended sandy soil. Um, if we're going to also talk about other cultivated, um, we talked about wave petunias, but also Proven Winters has great petunias too. And so does Crazy Tunia. I don't know. I don't know what that's the, that's the name of it, Crazy Tunia, but I don't know who puts it out. Um, they're, they're also good. The Crazy Tunias tend to spread well and they have smaller flowers. 
the proven winners ones that I do best with are the Vista ones. The Vista Super Tunias, they do better because they also have that spreading habit. And then there are the ones like Laura Bush, which is um, a selection more closely related to the native petunia. And it's hot pink and has um, a little, it might have a darker eye, it might not, but it reseeds in the garden a little bit, has wonderful blooms, has that same habit. And um, I like it trailing down walls. So it's pretty too. Yeah. And when we say native petunia, let's let's be careful because this wild petunia isn't related. Well, no, I'm sorry. It's not really, it's a wild, you're right. It's not native. Right. But sorry. I get uh, petunia seedlings will come up in my patio sometimes. You will? I do too sometimes, especially when I had honeybees. I really got a lot of um, good cross-pollination with and it. And there's a lady up around the way. Um she had a really nice stand of petunias one summer, and she said they all came up from seed. Uh, it was one of the wave type or something. They all just came up from seed. Mm-hmm. So she let them go. But so it will so self-sow sometimes. Right. And you can also grow a lot of petunias from seed now. I hear Masha playing in something. I'm afraid it's something bad that's going to crash, but we're going to hope it's not. Shall I do the next quote? Well, let me let me go back and uh, talk about growing petunias from seed because all American selections, they sent me a petunia. They've sent me a couple of petunias and you think, Oh, Mm -hmm. these seeds are so tiny. They are so tiny, 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 tiny. tiny. But I planted, I'm looking it up. This one is, it's called uh, Carmine Velour and it's a dark purplish red, red, very, mm-hmm. very nice. And last year I planted, uh, I can't remember which one I planted last year that they sent me seeds for. I'm not, I'm looking at their website where they have this blog post. But anyway, I'm to the point where I think that I, if I had enough room, I could probably grow most of the, any petunia I wanted from seed as long as I could get the seed. But the, yeah, I think you could too. The wave carmine velour, it's doing really well. That's cool. So I just wanted to give a shout out. I think there I think that anytime you get anytime you get seeds from All American Selections or you plant seeds from All American Selection plants because you can buy so many of them. We get them ahead. We get them about a year ahead usually, but other people can buy them once they've been out and they almost always do really really well. Yeah. And so those those Cameron Velour petunias what I did was I scattered the seed in a little tray. And right. once they germinated and started growing their first true leaves, I pricked them out and put them in their own little containers. And uh, I had a dozen plants and I, I gave uh, gave one or two to my sister, but I ended up with a dozen plants for, uh, in my case, I got the seeds for free. But when you think about it, you could buy a packet of seed, get a right. dozen plants. And then what it, these petunias are always sold in singles, you know, so they're usually like $5.99, $4.99. It's not cheap to buy them, but anyway. So I'll say growing from seed is quite a viable option. It is. It's very frugal. Are you ready for the next quote? I am. We talk of communing with nature, but tis tis with ourselves we commune. Nature furnishes the conditions, the solitude, and the soul furnishes the entertainment. That's John Burroughs. And he was an American naturalist and nature essayist active in the conservation movement in the United States. And his first essay collection was Wake Robin in 1871. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Um, The the funny thing that they said, and you know, I, I take it all with a grain of salt. His special identity was less, less that of a scientific naturalist than that a, of a literary naturalist with a duty to record his own unique perceptions of the natural world. The the result was a body of work whose resonance with the tone of its cultural moment explains both its popularity at the time and its relative obscurity since. Okay. (laughs) Whatever that means. I have no idea what any of that means. Anyway, (laughs) he's obscure now, but he was popular back in his day in the 1800s. Okay. So we decided right. to talk about turnips today. Yes, we did. Growing any this year, Dee? 
I tried. Remember, I tried growing them in my containers at the beginning of the spring. They just did not do well. I don't know if I didn't thin them enough or if it was too wet. I don't know what was wrong. But, you know, I also didn't have a lot of time to spend on them because I was recovering from the fire and putting in new containers and new potting soil and new beds. And (laughs) so I might not have paid attention to them like I should. I've had tremendous luck growing them in my cold frames and in raised beds in the past. So I grew, I haven't grown them for a long time except as microgreens this past winter because turnip greens, obviously the the tops are edible. So I got some seeds at the library because they have a free seed library and you can check out quote unquote, but you never have to bring them back. And I checked out turnip seeds because I thought I haven't grown these in a while. So I planted one small row and then I looked at them the other day and they were huge. Yeah. And so I went out there this morning and I thought, this is ridiculous. These things are gigantic. And I pulled them out and I have them everywhere from uh, the size of a ping pong ball to the size of a, a giant softball. So I, the giant softball ones might be woody. They might not. I don't know. Well, the one is you can see where it was starting to split. So, yes, that's a sign that I probably, you know, I don't know how edible they'll be. I think I'm going to just roast them and see how they turn out. Yeah. But I looked at uh True Leaf Market for some information about growing turnips. And they said, like the ones I grew, which were the purple top whites. Yeah. The easiest ones to grow. They said to, um, when they show three to four inches diameter above the soil, which is 40 to 70 days after sowing, that's when you are ready to be harvested. Mm-hmm. I wasn't that far off on, you know, there were two that were huge. I also didn't get them thin very well in the rows. So there were some smaller ones and then there were some bigger ones. I took some pictures. I'll probably end up writing a blog post and like, you know, that just disparaging comment about, you know, just, did you just fall off a turnip truck? Uh, I might've just, because I really had no idea. I mean, Oh, you've been gardening for 60 plus years and you can't grow a row of turnips, Carol. So I think you did fine. Um, I usually, I was sitting here thinking while you were talking, I usually harvest mine when they're about two inches above the soil. When I can see that purple top, I harvest them then because I want them smaller because I'm not growing them smaller. I'm not growing them for, you know, to feed a world nation, right? I'm just growing them to eat. And I like turnips that are homegrown. I like them a lot. They're one of my favorite vegetables, but I like them just with a little bit of butter steamed. I also like them roasted too. And I've done them that way many times, but I really love them steamed with a little bit of butter and salt and pepper. That's the way I love to eat them. Well, the smaller ones, maybe I'll just steam those and do those that way. But the big ones, if they're edible at all, you have to they're going to have probably. to be roasted pretty yeah, good. And that'll so. be good too, because that'll concentrate the sugars. So I think that'll also be good. Yeah, because that's the other thing. This is turnips is something that if you sow it in the fall and let it go through a frost or two, that does sweeten it up. And that's when I usually grow mine is in the fall. And then sometimes because of the timing, you don't end up harvesting them until late. You know, you can hold them over a long time in the garden. So that's probably what I'll do again this year is just harvest, just put them out there in the fall. So yeah. I will tell you that when I pulled out, especially the bigger ones, I did see evidence of like a root maggot or something trying to eat yeah. the edge of their, yeah, that'll just yeah. cut that off. Just cut but it they, off. The other thing they said they're bothered by is aphids and flea beetles. Yeah, that's probably true. I know the eggplant has a hard time with flea beetles too. Um, aphids haven't seen as much evidence of that here. But again, if you grow them in the fall, you don't get as much bug pressure. Everything in spring, you know, everything's really hungry in the spring. <laughs> and there are also more bugs. By the by the time we end up in fall, the bugs are slowing down. And that's nice. I like fall gardening. I like it a lot. Right now, I'm not liking gardening much. There's a lot of bugs. Well, and you also mentioned, so the purple top is like the, I'll call it the classic. And you said there's Japanese white ones that you tried in the container. That was what you tried in your containers. 
Yeah, they basically did nothing. I think I harvested a small handful. I was very disappointed, but the truth is I just didn't have a lot of time to like make sure they were thinned the way they should have yeah. been. Do you still have seeds? Not for those. No. Okay. I was going to say you could try some of the seeds this fall, but. I have purple top. I will probably just grow purple top this fall. I think I've grown, I've grown the Japanese ones before. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I think there's a black one I've grown, but that might've been a radish. I don't know. Anyway, that's all. Well, I was going to say two more things about turnips is there yeah. are some people that grow turnips commercially around here. And I've seen people out Me harvesting too. turnips in the field. And then because of the the flea beetles and the root maggots and things like that, I would always plant my turnips in a different location each year. And I would plant it not where I had also planted broccoli, cauliflower, cabbages, anything that's in that brassica family, which yeah. turnips are. You do not want to plant those in the same spot. Yeah. Switch them out for where you had green beans or something in the um, tomato family. Yes you know, that group, the nightshades or something else that's totally different. And also I have another thought. Um, When you get them inside, you need to refrigerate them pretty fast and also cut off the tops. If you cut off the tops, the sugar stays inside the turnip and you can eat the tops separately. If you like, if you like turnip greens, Um, it's just like with carrots, you do the same thing and you want to refrigerate them as quickly as possible because I saw some turnips at the co-op that were perfectly good, beautiful turnips, but they were squishy because they haven't been refrigerated. Hmm, mine are sitting in a basket by the back door. As soon as this podcast is over, I'm going to run, shove them in the refrigerator. I would. I would because they start to eat their sugars, you know? Yeah. It's just That's what they do. The sugar starts to turn starts okay. to turn to starch. Yeah. All right. I'm going to do a quote to take us to the book. One benefit of summer was that each day we had more light to read by. Jeanette Walls. She is an American author and journalist, widely known as former gossip columnist for MSNBC.com and the author of The Glass Castle, a memoir of the nomadic family life of her childhood. So no wonder, which I I did not read that. So no wonder the benefit of summer was more like to read by if you're leading a nomadic life, you're probably living like I was last week without power. Yeah, she was. I mean, she had kind of a rough life with her parents. Um, I didn't know that she was a gossip columnist. That seems odd. That's an odd, that's an odd job. Um, I liked her. I really did love the glass castle, but I love those memoirs of growing up on hard times, you know? Uh Uh-huh. All right. On the bookshelf, we have another memoir, but it's not about hard times. No, it's called The Ivington Diaries by Monty Don. It was published in 2009. And I ended up buying a copy of this, and it was because you and I found a quote by Monty Don, and it was from this book. And I thought the quote was so lovely that I thought, oh, you know what? I'm going to buy the book. And I'm glad I did because reading this book, so he took diaries from 1995 to 2005, so 10 years worth of diaries. And then he sat down before 2009 when the book came out in the UK, and put together like a year at Ivington, which is where his long meadow garden is. That's, that's the nearest town, I guess. I guess. Yeah. So it's interesting because you'll read an entry for like 2004. And then the next day he's talking about something that happened in 1999, but it's all kind of, it all works. And it's, so it's not in order. I mean, it's not in chronological order. It's, it's in it's, like subject order. No, it's in chronological order. So like there's July 1st, July 2nd, July 3rd, but it'd be like July 1st, right. 99, July 2nd is 2006. Ah, not 2006, but you know, you get the idea. I get the idea. So it's kind of like if, if you went to Monty Don's house and the cameras are turned off and there's no crews there for Gardner's world or whatever. And he and his wife, right. Sarah are there with their, their, their kids just enjoying life and gardening and she was you know she's gardening too and stuff um that's that's kind of what this book is like it's sort of like hey just hey, come spend a few weeks at monty's place that's kind of pleasant isn't it it is pleasant and i was reading like july the 3rd he talks about drought and he's he's mm-hmm. and i thought it was interesting because he talks about how Things can be so dry, but there's such a big foliage canopy that when the rain falls, it doesn't get down to the ground. And so you end up with the leaves get sodden and weigh the plant downs, but it all evaporates in the combination of dry roots and wet leaves. Sets up ideal conditions for fungi. 
Yeah. Uh, and he talks Which about- is what I've been having trouble with on my tomato plants. So I like that he's also giving you gardening advice. Yeah. He's growing figs. Um, and he, you know, he talks about he he actually was growing um brown turkey, which I grow. Yep. And he talks about how he had a fig that uh, and he had, I forget how many figs he grew, but this one just never produced, never produced and just grew lush and lush. And he figured out that that was where they had once been an earth closet, which is an outhouse. And so that was very fine soil. And then he figured that that fig wasn't going to produce because the soil was rich and delicious. But as soon as the roots yeah. grew beyond that, then it started to suddenly have figs. That's funny. So I do know now that his birthday is July the 8th. Because he says on July 8, 2000, that he was 45 that day. So when this podcast comes out on the weekend on Saturday will be Monty's birthday and he'll be 68. So yeah, he's one year younger than Bill. So um, here's the thing is I, I was thinking about how, you know, he's still gardening in that space and he's changed up things just like we are changing them up through mm-hmm. our lives. Right. And I felt like last year he looked really tired. And I felt like at the beginning of this year, he looked really tired on Gardener's World, right? But then I watched last Saturday, which it comes out in the UK on Friday. I watched on BritBox. He looked perky as a new lamb. And I just wonder if it was because he's in that part of gardening season where you're not working just so hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he talks about that. Um, He talks about as a, you know, he reminisces that as a schoolboy, he would be shipped off to boarding school at the beginning of spring and, and into midsummer. And he felt like he missed the best part of spring because he was at boarding school. But when he wrote yeah. this book, um, so he kept the journal from 95 to 2000. And then in 2006, he began a series of journeys that took him away from home for a great deal of time for the following two years. And he had, was overwhelmed with work. No time in the garden, very little time to record. And then he said, that's when the journal stopped. And then in 2008, he says, I collapsed. Um, In the months of recovery, I did very little actual gardening, but he spent a great deal of time looking at my garden and a good number of the pictures in this book were taken in this period. So that's interesting too. I know enough about his history that, and you do too, that he has, he fights depression, right? And if you get overworked, it can be, you know, it can be too much and, that would be hard. We also know that he made a condition to continue being on Gardener's World, that all of his work would be filmed from his garden. And in fact, he doesn't go anywhere except for he goes to um, Chelsea. He goes to Chelsea, and he goes to I think he went to well, he did the Gardener's World Live, which is their big festival, and I don't know if he's doing the other festivals. Or not. He may just do those two. Yeah. And then just Hampton Court, maybe. They brought on a ton of other people to Gardener's World that just kind of mix it up. And so, you know, going to Adam's Garden. I think that's, don't you think that's smart? Because everybody has a little different perspective on gardening. Like Carol's been working on something at Hampton Court. She's doing this very, and I think Hampton Court is this weekend. Um, She's doing this very extensive beautiful garden for Hampton Court. And she's getting older too. And she has lots of help with it, including she talked about on last week's episode, Beth Chatto, Emily from Beth Chatto's garden is coming to help her with the dry garden. So there's a lot of, um, I, no one gardens in a vacuum. And as you age, you need a little more help and you might want to decide to stay home more. I know I do. Yeah. So this book fits in nicely with my month to month books that I was talking about way back in January. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And I wrote a blog post with this about this book, but it's also about Clary Sage because, <laughs> and this is where you come in, D. So on one of your Insta- Instagram reels, you said you were sweaty Betty. And I, yeah, what, I said, aren't I a sweaty Betty today? Cause it was hot outside. So I opened up to July 13th, 1998. And he's the title of this entry is sweaty Betty. And I Go thought, figure. Oh, was who was Sweaty Betty? Well, Sweaty Betty was the common name for Clary Sage. That's so, funny. I've never heard that before. So I went looking to figure out why would Clary Sage be called Sweaty Betty? And I wrote a blog why? post about it. And uh, I'll just leave it at that so people can go look at that blog post to figure out why is 
Why is Clary Sage called Sweaty Betty? And we'll link to your Instagram reel where you use that term. But anyway, that is The Ivington Diaries by Monty Don, sadly out of print. As you and I discovered, Amazon is not the place to buy it, but... Oh my gosh, so expensive. In my blog post, I linked to uh, bookfinder.com to the entries where you can get it for, I think, like $17, $18, and that includes shipping. Well, that's not bad. $17 to $18 is not bad. No, and it's a nice book. He's got pictures in here. There's color pictures in here. It's really a nice book. I'm glad I have it. Your copy is really nice. Yeah, I I got it. This is, I can, I mean, it's, it's used, but it's not grungy used. I like it. Right, right. I don't mind a good used book. No, I don't either. But anyway, that is our book this week, The Abington Diaries by Monty Don. Okay, so... I got my thing got moved. So I think I'm doing the next quote, aren't I? That that you are. Okay, here I go. Summer is the annual permission slip to be lazy, to do nothing and have it count for something, to lie in the grass and count the stars, to sit on a branch and study the clouds. That's by Regina Brett. And she has a website and she's an author, podcaster, journalist, cancer survivor, and much more. So this is our permission slip that you can sit and read a book all afternoon if you want or work a puzzle. Exactly. And I will link to Regina Brett's website in the show notes. She's an interesting person in herself. And this is a perfect lead in for our dirt this week, which we got sent the secret coloring book and it's out as a 10th anniversary edition. Can you believe that, Carol? I couldn't. I couldn't. It came in the mail from Hatchet. I was like, what? 10 years. And then I thought, oh yeah, that was the first one I colored that right. book. And that's Secret Garden and Inky Treasure Hunt and Coloring Book, 10th Anniversary Edition. And it is amazing to think the adult coloring book craze kind of started actually before this came out. But jo- mm-hmm. Joanna Basford in Scotland is the person who draws all these and they are marvelous. Uh, oh, they're so detailed. So detailed. And so much fun. But listen to these stats. The Secret Garden Coloring Book, how many copies do you think have been sold worldwide? I have no idea. A lot. 20 million, and it's been translated into 43 languages. Well, that's impressive. Um, you know, the coloring craze, I think, needs to come back. I, I think do. it does. I think it does. I love it. I still have a ton of coloring books. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep this one. I actually have the original one, and it's, it's not very colored in, but... Um, so comparing the two, I would say this 10th anniversary one, it does have more drawings they've added to it and they've have more pages where they like, okay, you draw out the leaves to finish this picture. So it's not just like color, but you can actually draw and and mimic her style. Um, the quality of the paper is better on this one than on the original one. Well, Lord knows they could give it a little more, um, better paper because, you know, they sold a billion of them. So anyway, I don't know what I'm going to do with mine. I haven't decided. I might give it away. Who knows? We'll put a link to that. It'll be out on uh, bookshop.org and also Amazon, I think. But anyway, we want to thank the folks at Hatchet for sending us these coloring books. They are, they are delightful. They are. They send us the nicest books. So um, in other dirt, you are very appreciative for what July 3rd is. July 3rd is National Air Conditioning Appreciation Day because I didn't have air conditioning. But the house is so well insulated. People's like, and I had offered, you know, my sister says, well, you can come down here. She only lost power for 16 hours. Right. Uh, She said, you can come down here and then. Uh, you know, another person said, you can stay over here if you want. And it's like, it really wasn't that hot in the house, a little bit stuffy, but you know, it wasn't unbearable or anything. So, but anyway, and, and then you, you already t- talked about Monty Don's birthday, July the 8th. Happy birthday to Monty Don. And now I'll do a quote for the rabbit holes. Okay. Sounds good. In summer, the song sings itself. So go ahead, step outside, enjoy life, and let the songs of summer roll on. And this is from a book called The Botchelian Trees. I can't even say that. Botticellian. Botticellian. William Carlos Williams, 1883 to 1963. He was a medical doctor, poet, novelist, essayist, and playwright. I am having a a heck of a time. I have no idea what you just said because it... 
Masha muted you, but just keep going. Well, and I'm going to leave that in, by the way. I was just telling you who William Carlos Williams was. Oh, I can see it on our notes. Okay. So that's pretty anyway, cool. uh, though his career was initially overshadowed by other poets, he became an inspiration to the beat generation of the 50s and 60s. There you go. Who knew? Who knew? Go ahead. So, rabbit hole time. With my rabbit hole. Oh my oh gosh. My I'm gosh. researching grasshoppers because our cold, wet spring has produced a bumper crop of every insect that eats your garden. And in my garden, grasshoppers can be a huge problem. And in the past, I've used Nolabate. But Nolabate, the factory burned down and they keep saying they're rebuilding it and they didn't rebuild it. And let me just say before people get all upset, Nolabate is just a grasshopper a grasshopper disease. And so it kills them naturally without hurting anything else except the occasional cricket, which I don't have very many crickets. Crickets aren't an issue here. Um, I think crickets are more like in town. Anyway, um, we don't have that option right now, which one lady told me that she was glad at my talk because apparently grasshoppers are endangered. And I was like, well, they sure aren't endangered in my garden. That's- They're eating my cannas, my roses, when the Japanese beetles aren't eating them. Basically, they're eating everything. So since that's not around, I'm going to try a garlic spray that's super intense to convince them away to stay away. Also, there's some deer that are causing no problem in my garden so far, but there's always that moment when they're going to come in and start. So I put up some barriers of a deer product and I'll let you guys know in a few weeks if it worked. You do have, It's not too bad. It's funny because it stinks, but they said, oh, it's not that bad. Well, all they did was put mint on top of it. It's pretty bad, but you know what? Out there at the edges of the garden, it's okay. I'm, I'm going to try it. All right. What is yours? What is your rabbit hole? So before the storm knocked out the power, I had just about completed research on Dorothy Childs Hogner, who is the latest lost lady of garden writing. And uh, she actually wrote a lot of children's fiction and nonfiction books, and including one called uh, Winky King of the Garden, which is about a scarecrow who's Uh afraid of crows. And then all these other little animals help it overcome its fear of crows. And Dorothy's husband was the illustrator for most of her books, but she wrote uh, several books on herbs and herb growing. And she wrote a book called uh, Good Bugs, Bad Bugs about backyard insects. Uh And uh, so anyway, I wrote a post and put it out there yesterday or Saturday night late. And uh, one of my regular readers commented that she and her husband used to sell old gardening books and horticultural books and stuff. And she had never run across Dorothy Childs Hogner. So she ended up getting a couple from thrift books because she was just interested to see what she was all about. But half the book is recipes. That's fun. So anyway, that was my rabbit hole before the storm knocked out power. And of course, Sweaty Betty. Yeah, you've been busy. We've both been busy. What a busy week. This is going to be a long podcast. Okay. So in the garden this week, I am going to cut down the legustrum, not cut it down. I'm going to limb up the legustrum sunshine and cut them back a little bit because they get a little too much, you know? Right. And um, I'm going to pull out Rebecca Goldstrom where I don't want it because right now it's sending up those bloom stalks and it makes it much easier to pull out. You still have to get way down low and it's still pretty stubborn but it's not as hard to pull out as it is in the winter time. And someone wrote me and said, my gosh, I love Rebecca Goldstrom. And I said, me too, in a dry spot, in a wet spot, she's a nightmare. So trying to get rid of that. And then I'm going to weed the middle diamond of the back garden that is on the south side. And I'm going to mulch it because Peggy Martin got seriously hurt in the winter of 2021. And I've been trying to nurse her back to health. So I'm going to feed her. And I bought some Mills Rose Magic to fertilize her and the other roses. I'm going to check for Japanese beetles. I'm going to spray that garlic spray on those stupid grasshoppers to keep them away from my cannas. (sighs) And then on the grass, on the Japanese beetles, I shared on my story, a really cool video of a woman vacuuming them up with a small handheld vacuum. And then it's one of those, I've got that vacuum. You just push a button and the canister empties and she emptied it right into a bucket of soapy water. 
it actually worked because it's not a super strong vacuum. It's just right. And it just vacuums those little. Is it an outdoor vacuum up. or an indoor vacuum? It's an indoor, but it's battery operated and, and it comes apart. It's a big, it, it actually is a floor vacuum and a canister comes apart. You know what? We'll link to it in our newsletter because I use it in my house when I have a small spill, you know, of something like the peppercorns that I spilled all over my floor the other day it is just the right size for Japanese beetles. And then she drowned them. Interesting. I'm going to knock on wood. It's the time for them to show up. I haven't seen them yet, but I, I know they're out there. Oh, I also did a collaborative Instagram video with Emily from 11 Gables, who lives in Edmond, Oklahoma. And I she's having trouble with Japanese beetles. And so um, we did a little live video together. And then I saw that she was having trouble. And so I sent her that lady's videos. And Emily tried it and it worked. Cool. Yeah. So this week, as long as we don't get more storms, and we have storms off and on through the forecasts, I'm going to weed. I need to tie up tomatoes again. They're starting to flop really bad. I got to weed, mow the lawn, weed, finish printing shrubs, weed. Uh, I've already harvested the turnips. Watch for more squash, weed. weed. I have a weed problem. I mean, it's just like... Is the crabgrass just driving you crazy? Not yet, but it will be. Right oh now, it's... Oh, my gosh, uh, the crabgrass. Purslane oh, is bad, terrible. and I, I'm yeah, starting to see the bad. summer weeds coming up, and, you know, so... Ugh. Let's... Ugh. We, we, that's not a high note. We want to end on a high note. My first zinnia came into bloom today. There you go. My zinnias are blooming abundantly now, and they're really, really happy. All right. That's the high note. Thank you for listening to The Garden Angelus. I hope you've hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. We publish every week on Wednesdays at 12 a.m. Eastern Time. If you listen to Apple Podcasts, we'd love a five-star review that helps us get noticed by others. Could you also share our podcast with your friends? Word of mouth is still the best way to get the word out there. And be sure and check out our show notes for links for more information about today's topics, plus links to our own websites. And subscribe to our Substack newsletter, The Garden Angelus at Substack.com, also linked to in our show notes. If you do, you get a link to listen to the podcast a day early. And if you want to help support us, use those affiliate links. If you buy something after clicking through on them, we're in a small commission and it costs you nothing. Or you can set up a monthly subscription through Buzzsprout or make a one-time donation through PayPal. It was lovely to chat with all of you over the garden gate this week. Bye until next time. Bye, everybody.